Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Football Rambles Guide 2. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Jim Campbell. It was with great sadness that we learned of the passing of Pele at the age of 82. The man born Edson Arantes do Nascimento was without doubt one of the greatest players the sport will ever see. He scored a staggering 757 goals in 812 games, official games we should say. He's the only man to have won three World Cups and he changed football forever. And it makes our heart stop beating every time he touches the ball. Today we're going to celebrate the man whose name became a byword for greatness by discussing his career with Brazil, Santos and of course New York Cosmos. Marvelling at his achievements and yes, looking at some of his more interesting post-retirement ventures. Never forget that he turned his hair into diamonds. This is the Football Rambles Guide to Pelé. and it's Pelé, he's got it! And that is Brazil's 100th goal in the World Cup. So the sad news has broken that the legendary Brazil striker and three-time World Cup winner Pelé has passed away at the age of 82. He's of course widely considered to be one of the greatest players of all time, but he's also since been a worldwide ambassador for football. So on today's Football Ramble Guide 2, we could only talk about Pelé. We're going to discuss his career, his achievements and some of his interesting ventures after he retired. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sad time. Um, but this is a time where we remember one of the true greats of, of not just football, but sport in general, Jim. Absolutely, yeah. Iconic in a way that is hard to like, really fathom, isn't it? Mm. I mean, for, for all of us, I mean, Pelé retired long before any of us were born. But you grow up with this idea of this figure that was almost sort of superhuman. It's still the go-to name if you're describing mm-hmm. greatness, I suppose. And it, it, he was a global icon. There's so much to take in when you look back at Pele's career. And it's f- from a time where football was so, so very different, partially because the vast majority of, career, of his career took place in South America, uh, which is obviously very, very different to Europe. He never actually came to Europe. And that, that's, that in itself is unusual, isn't it, that, that, a, that a player would be that iconic while, while staying staying on the one continent, really. Well, football was so different, but the world was so different as mm. well. Of course it was. Yeah, I think just a, as, as much a part of the game as the offside rule or yeah. you know, yeah. a, a yeah. goal or whatever, you know, the best tribute you can pay to him, I think, in, in, the, in the first instance is to talk about how he's really just part of the fabric of the game itself. It's, it's impossible to imagine the game without a ball or without mm-hmm. a goal. Mm-hmm. It's also quite impossible to imagine it without Pele. And I, I remember during lockdown did a little thing with my friends where we listened to an album every week mm. and we listened to Revolver by the Beatles. Oh, yeah. And and when we listened to it, it was almost a bit like, this is something that almost transcends music itself. Totally. It's, almost, it's just part of the world. It's like a mountain mm. yeah. or an ocean or yeah. something. It just yeah. feels like it's always been there. It's impossible to imagine a time when it's not been there. Well, it's stuff that you'd see in museums, you know. Yeah, and I think football is, for me at least, impossible to imagine before Pelé. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And I think, obviously, we'll come on to this, but in the lineage of the greatest players who ever played the game, I think he sits on that kind of division between when the game was a lot more fractured and a mm-hmm. lot more kind of sepia-tinged and a lot more um, hard to gra- grab the scope of. Mm-hmm. He straddles that era with, of course, the new global era. And if you're talking about lineage of the greatest players of all time, 
They don't always, but a lot of the time they really do probably start with Pele. Well, yeah. he, he won the World Cup in black and white and he won it in colour. Absolutely, go. the first one in colour as well. And that's that's an interesting point because it's it's tempting, I think, for, for people to question, oh, was Pele actually that good? The game was different then. Was it as competitive, etc., etc., etc.? But he's the only player to have won three World Cups. Did that over very, very different eras. Mm-hmm. And it's in a game where... People are lionised and almost, we see it with Messi and Ronaldo now, commentators do it all the time. They t- talk about them as if they are superhuman. Yeah. Pele maximised his potential in a way that few human beings ever do. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you, you mentioned the Beatles because it's almost like he is the sort of Beatles of football yeah. in that sense. And I think years ago, because you had far less access to um, famous people, you know, you see that with when you you see sort of Beatles mania or Rolling Stones mania or, or, or whatever back in the day. I actually think there could be an argument. It's a level that we don't really see nowadays because you have a, a lot, lot more, more a lot yeah. more exposure and a lot more options. If you see what I mean, it's almost as if um, when you see someone on stage or you see them on, in a football stadium, it's like, oh my god, they do exist. Yeah, because it was so far away, it was so exotic. It's, uh, Pele is the ultimate example. Absolutely, it was of a that. scarcity of exposure. Totally. To to to. Take that analogy that you talked about there mm. that I started off with the Beatles. Basically, if you're talking about football, Pele is Elvis. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Nineteen seventy Brazil would be the Beatles, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I mean, just a huge seismic loss to the game mm-hmm. and, and, and and to the point where it's actually we can talk about great players. Of course we can. We do it all the time. And there's been plenty of them. But there's not many players where you think it's impossible to imagine this game without them. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely one of the very few of those. Yeah. And it's remarkable that that name Pele is was a nickname. It was it was used in a quite a derogatory way and doesn't actually mean anything. Mm. Yeah. Because at school he was given this name. Now there's there's some suggest I remember Pele himself saying that he 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 did something. Maybe they were playing football, and and the kids just started saying this name, and he he didn't like it, of course. And it took him a while to to get on board with the name. Then there's other suggestions that he couldn't pronounce uh, a certain player's name, which was maybe Belay or something. Mm. I think it was a goalkeeper, and he tried to say it, and he and he and he mispronounced it, and then they started saying it. But w- whatever it is, the name Pele came about kind of by accident. Doesn't really mean anything, yeah. and yet is it is perhaps the most famous an iconic nickname of all time. Well, the, Imagine the world... being the little snide kid at school <laughs> just trying to make him feel silly and the, the then he, world... he gets is it fair you back. To, is it by... fair to say Pele won that? I think of... Pele won that, yeah. <laughs> we don't know who the other kid was. Or maybe the other kid, maybe every time the other kid, every time he saw him, go, yeah, you're the greatest, still called Pele though, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Pele. Uh, no, I think I think it's quite, quite fitting that a guy, a person of this kind of impact has a name that has got had previously had no meaning mm. at all in in Portuguese or, and had no um, precedent in Brazil, but is now unquestionably one of the famous names of all time. Yeah. I think it's an important point to make that yeah he was the first global superstar of the game, and at a time when you could argue it was quite difficult. I mean, it, it, in some of the early World Cups, I mean, 1958 was of course his f- first World Cup, and we will go into all that stuff in a little bit more detail. You'd be reading newspaper articles about it you know maybe days later is that that's how you'd find out about yeah. what was going on maybe you'd, you'd tune in on the wireless or something but there was no bbc radio 5 live right let's listen to the commentary of the game and and mm. so on for the masses and so on and obviously televisions were very scarce in in most parts of the world there so it is quite incredible but of course he was from very humble beginnings but his father was a footballer mm-hmm. a very good footballer and, and his relationship with his father 
was was very important. He sounded like a, a good guy. Um, now, one of the things that that Pele is um, has been accused of is is massaging uh, the the stats about his his goal scoring and so on. It could be suggested that maybe he learned that from his father because his father said that uh, he did score five headed goals in a game once. And apparently, Pele <laughs> and he was a goalkeeper. No, 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 no. He wasn't a goalkeeper. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. It wasn't that far fetched. Um, uh, but he was a good player, apparently. But apparently, Pele only scored four, so it was a record, right. an unofficial record, or maybe it is an official record in parts of Brazil. I don't know. Uh, in which uh, he, his father still held over uh, Pele, which is which is quite nice. But yeah, I mean, th- there was that story as well in the 1950 World Cup when, of course, Brazil lost the last match of that tournament. And uh, his father was very emotional, as you, as you could imagine, in all of Brazil were. And apparently the young Pele said to his dad, don't worry, I'll, I'll, win, I'll win Brazil the World Cup. Well, that sounds future. like a very nice story. It does yeah. sound like a very yeah, nice that, story. And I'm going with it. I don't want to live in a world where that's not true. Well, yeah. also, I mean, we're going to come on to how impactful Pele was as such a young player, right? Is it, mm. and, and one of the things that's kind of really interesting about this story is that he was so good from so young and you don't have to worry about stories that were or weren't told mm. or the oral history of Brazilian culture which contributes to all this stuff that's all part of it but actually it doesn't really matter because the whole world saw what he did mm. at 16 and at 17 you know he, he he was a top scorer in the league at 16 yeah. you know that's that stuff I mean, that's different gravy that doesn't really that doesn't happen well, now 1950, even though players are getting a lot younger in 1956 at 15 he signed his first professional contract with Santos two years later he would be instrumental in Brazil winning the World Cup um, mm. It's interesting as well when you look back at, um, you know, having read a, a, a bit about Brazilian football and about Pele himself as well. Brazil at the time, they had no way of knowing what their best national team was. Mm. The country is absolutely huge. Mm. There are probably brilliant, brilliant players that never made it purely because there simply wasn't the platform there or, or the scouting network well, that's to true find in any, them. That's true in any country, but more but Brazil but, is so in huge. A, yeah, in, in, a, in a really exaggerated way, the same with Brazil. And also, you didn't have proper league, like national leagues. You had the state championships and so yeah. on. Because often Pele's goal-scoring record is is heavily scrutinised, understandably so. But some of these games, oh, it was against this state championship or whatever, that, they were actually mm. bigger games than than people realise, I think, in European football. Absolutely. But the, the point I'm making is really that he's a, he's the perfect example of the cream rising, yeah. despite how you know challenging the environment is in which that cream has to rise, I mm. suppose. Totally, yeah. I mean, you know, at such a young age, you know, in 1961, the Brazilian government declared him an official national treasure, which prevented him from being transferred to a club abroad. People often say, and uh, you know, one of the, the things that... that that people say, oh, well, Pele can't be considered the greatest because he never played club football outside of Brazil other yeah. than at New York Cosmos. Um, well, there's a good reason why he didn't. He couldn't. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's unthinkable, isn't it, now? Yeah, but of course, where the vast majority of the planet knows Pele and Pele playing football is not at Santos, even though he was incredible for them. And actually, if you can see any of the footage of him playing for Santos, and if you're in any, left in any doubt that Pele was a great player, watch it because it yeah. is... If you will, you know when the original Ronaldo came along and he's just running rings around people and mm, so yeah. it's it's kind of like that. Absolutely, it's the feints, the little touches, the shimmies, yeah. the pace as well. He was a really fast player yeah, as well. Because in a more in a more modern example, the original Ronaldo from Brazil, he takes football almost to that next level. Mm. He does things with the ball that you you don't really see that often. Popular, at speed as at well. At speed, yeah, exactly. He takes it to that level when you go, whoa, he raises the bar and then you have the likes of Ronaldinho and of course Messi and Ronaldo and, and so on come along. Um, but with Pele, he did that back then. He mm. takes it to another level. He is head and shoulders 
standing out in those games. And then we get to the World Cup. Um, three World Cup wins, 58, 62 and 70. Now, some say it's generous uh, that the 62 World Cup is on his his CV and his record, but he was in the squad. He played some minutes before he got injured, so, he, so he's in there. But the 58 World Cup is where he made his name on the global stage. Uh, started scoring a little bit later in the tournament, actually. It wasn't until the knockouts. He scored against Wales, of course, and then a hat-trick against France in the semi-final, and then those two goals against Sweden, including that very iconic goal where he kind of flicks the ball over a defender and volleys into the corner. Mm. And again, like flicking the ball over a defender... It's, it's still great now if somebody does that, but that's the kind of stuff, Luke, that, that people just hadn't seen before. But you also see, just to tap into your guys' chat about how the exposure was so different then and so lacking compared to what we have now or maybe even just a little bit after Pele's career, is like you, you would see you know, quotes and comments from like mm. managers before Brazil were going to play them and stuff saying like, they've got this guy who's a boy but plays like a man. Yeah. You know, they're, they're yeah, talking about yeah, this yeah. kind of, they're almost talking about this kind of mythical monster in the forest yeah. that's going to terrorise them and then of course he goes and does do that yeah. and he does that in a way that you know he. I think we can talk about his individual skills and we can talk about the things he tried and we can talk about the things that he did and I know in the 1970 World Cup there's a couple of great examples of that which we'll come on to but what's interesting is the fact that he was he seemed to be a very complete forward player mm-hmm. so you look at that's a good point if you look at the goals he scored the amount of them is what's always talked about right and that's mm-hmm. fair enough you understand why um get that but he wasn't just a goal scorer if you, no. you're talking about that santos stuff there's a load of stuff on youtube of him playing for brazil there's some bits and pieces here and there about him playing club football and then later on when he played these games for cosmos and all the rest of it you don't look at him and go that's a that's a goal poacher no, no. he's not like that at all no. and and he, and he can pull back and he can play deeper and he can create the game and he Great can finish, chances. he can shoot, he, he can, can head, he can beat men. And, and he, and even How do you he, stop him? And even though he's small, mm-hmm. he's like 5'8", he leaps like a oh, salmon. Yeah. He's very, very strong. Well, I was very surprised when I... Yeah. And, he's, and he's a man grown at 17 to yeah. the point where he's dominating, admittedly in a good team, of course, because he's, he's at Brazil, but they're dominating a, um, a World Cup to the point where the Swedish manager in the final says, you know, when he scored that final goal, I just... I just felt like I just applauding, really. But that's what I could do. But again, back in those days, they couldn't watch footage of him before the game. Yeah. As you say, he's like you know the monster yeah. in the woods. But, but I would also say this, and this is this is interesting. I don't think we should get bogged down in this kind of who was the best because it's very difficult to compare areas. But one thing I would say is, given that I don't think anyone would say that Pele had the kind of skill that Maradona had, uh, or that could go past a player in the same way that Maradona did. But if you take into account that Pele wasn't an out-and-out goal scorer necessarily, but still scored, I think, over double the goals Maradona scored. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also having all those other skills yeah. in the locker, you're starting to get to the mindset where you think, okay, this is why people are talking about well, him in the same way. Also in the 66 World Cup, I mean, he's kicked out the tournament. Now, I know people tried that with Mar- Maradona as well. And, and again, the comparisons are pretty futile and, and, mm. and whatnot. But you know, back in the 50s and the 60s, when he's playing international football, you could kick the crap out of players yeah. and get them done. And you didn't have well, the, substitutes the, as well. The footage of it is pretty brutal, isn't <laughs> They're going, it? I yeah. remember him from four years ago. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he was a nightmare. Oh, it was understandable, yeah. yeah. But uh, he, on the 62 thing, by the way, I think it was the 62 you mentioned. In Chile, yeah. He does score in that World Cup. Mm. So we're talking about it being a bit generous, giving him the work. No, no, no. He assists a goal, he yep. scores a goal, yeah, yeah. he makes a contribution. Yeah. These days, we're all used to people, if you're a part of a squad, mm-hmm. you contribute in a lot of different ways. You know, This is the only mention he's going to get on this episode, almost certainly. But no one's begrudging Connor Cody getting a medal of England no, to do, do well because even though he hardly plays, because he's a big part of the squad and that's part of it. Yeah, he's also. I mean, you talk about the first global celebrity, but also as well important as as a black athlete uh, back in those days. You know, if you, yeah. if you 
prejudice now, of course, but back then it was even worse, yeah. you'd certainly argue. So that was a big thing. Although on that, though, he has been criticised by, by many um, black Brazilians because they saw at times he had a very apolitical stance on some of the social issues in Brazil, and there were a lot of social issues, and still are now, but, you know, back in those days and so on. But I think Pelé would often... He would often stay quiet with that kind of thing, didn't he? He was very much just... Yeah, and I think... I think in it's, Rightly or wrongly. In itself, I think that is potentially... Problem. I'm not saying anyone here is judging him for that, but I think potentially that is problematic to any way think about him expecting to be like that. Especially with a, with a you know, well, a brutal I mean, government in Brazil yeah. and so on. Yeah. It's easier said than done. And exactly. I think we, if we apply... If we apply the current climate in our own country right now, where you know you do have freedom of speech and so on, it's, but it's, it's also, a different culture. It's a different country at, at a very different time, but, and that's not to make excuses. It's just to give people the full picture. But there's, poor, there's also plenty of injustice issues around in every country mm-hmm. that aren't anything to do with race, and we mm-hmm. don't expect white athletes to speak out about those mm-hmm. automatically. So I think it's important to maintain, you know, the standard across mm-hmm. the board if we can. Um, you know, if you if you think of someone like um, Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. you'd argue that his reputation was absolutely burnished, and he lives long in the memory, not just because he was a, a brilliant boxer, but because he was very outspoken on these issues and people tacked mm-hmm. onto that. So it can work both ways. But I think it's that yeah, it should to a certain extent be down to the individual themselves. I suppose the problem with all that, though, having said all that, is that during the 60s and the 70s, he did deny there were racial problems that yeah. were existing in Brazil, which would have disappointed a lot of fellow Brazilians. Yeah, of yeah. course. But his influence on the football pitch was was absolutely undeniable. Um, interestingly, though, after the 66 World Cup, where, you know, again, he was booted off the field against Portugal, he swore never to play at a World Cup again. And he was lured back to the World Cup uh, for the 1970 World Cup in 1969 and played a part in, in qualifications. He retired from international football. It's interesting, one can forget that. Um, and on the eve of the tournament, when they were going there, you know, he was quite sad about it he was like oh, I don't want to play in another World Cup and so on I think the pressure was, was getting yeah. to him especially as he you know essentially had a really difficult torrid time of it where you're essentially putting yourself in line to be beaten up yeah and, and also as well you know you have 58 where he was brilliant of course and he was the, the wonder kid and there's those those that footage of him you know crying after the full time uh, whistle in that 58 final because the emotion just you know overwhelmed him then you have 62 where he gets the injury and it's a bit disappointing perhaps 66 it happens and of course he'll, he'll be heavily criticised well, hang on, we're Brazil, we should be winning the World Cup every time and you've been kicked off the pitch. And he will, he will have taken a lot of flack for that. And I think he probably thought, you know, there's so much pressure and he's back into the international fold and so on. But it's just as well as he he did because that 1970 side is widely considered to be the best international team. And it's certainly one of the most revered and talked about and enjoyed yeah, international and, and, teams. And, it, it absolutely and great is. to see them in colour. I know that sounds yeah, ridiculous, but it's true. And it is. And that's all part of it because the iconic yellow Brazilian shirt and all yes, the rest of it. Yeah. But like the, the, the real seismic thing that sums up how amazing Pelé is and was is because the two things in 1970 that he's most famous for, mm-hmm. neither of them came off. Yeah. But even that, people still, this is the thing you talk about earlier, you talked about him flicking the ball over the head of a defender, not really been done before. Well, in 1970, he tried to score for the halfway line against Czechoslovakia and he didn't score. But it, the audacity of yeah. him attempting it was yeah. something that people were like, people couldn't believe it. I, I did was that of, a direct influence on Charlie Adam? Possibly could have been, yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably the only mention he's going to get on this show as well, I thought. <laughs> Um, imagine Charlie Adam and Connor Cody sitting around together listening to this can't believe their luck but, but the the earliest example and, and people listening may have a better one and if they do by all means get in touch but the first example I could find of a player scoring from the halfway line was John Bailey for Everton versus Luton in 1982 oh, right. wow. when Pele was trying it in 1970 people were just 
astonished that he tried it. Yeah. Like it even came into his mind, right? And then the second one is this dummy he does against Uruguay yeah. where he runs, sends the keeper the Such wrong way. That doesn't right. end up yeah. as a goal. Doesn't go in. But this is the thing, the impact of Pelé, the, 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 the bleeding edge of football that he was on, where he was trying these things and doing these things 12 years on from already winning the World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's in his late 20s, around 29, 30 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's still doing these things that no one else has seen before. Yeah. And, and, and those things are arguably more iconic than many, many goals that we've seen. Yeah. If you speak to an older person about Pelé, they'll say about the halfway line thing, even though loads of people have scored from the halfway line these mm-hmm. days, it happens reasonably regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe but, that's because we got a lot more access to the footage and stuff, but it still, still, it still counts. But again, it goes back to the, you know, the first person to, to have tried something or at least the first person to be seen to have tried it, of course. Yes. And, People, you you don't see that often, and and the World Cup was a real window into what else is going on around the world in football and different footballing cultures and so on. But, but the 1970 World Cup, I mean, the, the great moments and so on. He, he scored, I think, it was what four goals in that tournament, which again, people can be surprised. His, his goal scoring tally wasn't as high, but it goes back to your earlier point, look about how he could do everything, and that showed you that he could be a part of a great mm. team as well. And the Italian player, uh, Bergnich, said, uh, I told myself before the game, Pelé is made of skin and bones, just like everyone else, but I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, and of course he scored in that final. You know, Which yeah, is great. He, he, it was Brazil's he, 100th World Cup goal as well. Perfect. This yeah. goes back to what I was saying earlier on about him maximising his potential. It was like, it was, it's one of those things that sort of makes the phrase you couldn't write this sound stupid because yeah. it's exactly what you would write yes. if yeah. you were coming up with... Um, someone hitting all of the beats of how to succeed. There's an element of, I've mentioned Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo. Um, there was an element of this with his sort of, what, what's the word? Not, renaissance, if that's the right word. Redemption. Well, you know, redemption, that's the right one. I knew it was an R. Ah. Um, 98 and then 2002. Mm. There's a bit of that with Pele, mm. with 62, 66, and then 70 wins it again. Yeah. Because 58 and 70 really are the, the ones you're talking about. He won, wins it as a young boy at 17, and then of course. When he's in his late twenties, as, as this established player who's retired from international football, that 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 win again was kind of like the circle was complete. If you yeah. see what I mean. And on, on the skin and bones quote, I mean, there's so many quotes about player that loads of players who are themselves some of the greatest players to ever play the game have said. But it, um, there's a there's also a story doing the rounds. I think it was in 1966 when a Brazilian journalist asked the coach who the best goalkeeper in the squad was because he was going to not sure which goalkeeper was going to pick. It might not have been 66, but it was going into a World mm-hmm. Cup. And they said, you know, which goalkeeper, who's the best goalkeeper in your squad? And he goes, oh, Pele. Because <laughs> basically the chat was like, Pele was the best in every position anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's not as though Brazil was like short of play. It's not like a player for like, you know, yeah. Portsmouth. Yeah. You know, they, they, Brazil have got a lot of good players all over the place. Apparently you know? Pele would have been the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's reminiscent know, of that quote, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, in, in 1970, he was voted the most famous person in the world, mm. which I quite like. I mean, should you vote on that? It's not an interesting. How, I mean, I don't understand how they've they've not they've not yeah. polled everyone there. Well, have they? Those lot have heard of him, and yeah. they you know yeah. these lot haven't, and they outnumber them. Michael Jackson's not around yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're going like uh, Harry Styles isn't born yet. <laughs> Elvis uh, is. Uh, yeah, you haven't, you haven't mentioned Harry Styles. What? If we haven't say He's one Charlie of the most famous people in the world now. Arguably, yeah, and it is an argument that we will have after the show. People young get, man, <laughs> people get excited about Harry Styles. The same way they used to get excited by the Rolling Stones, don't they? Yeah, yeah just bring it up to date, mate. It's a sign of the times. It is. <laughs> um, Prince is another one. There you go. Yeah, uh, but uh, but of course, Pele um, was was almost like a, a, a sort of um, an, a, to, to use a basketball reference. He was almost like a Harlem Globetrotter mm. with he was. Santos. Yeah, and this is actually this his goal scoring record is is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because mm. we're, we're about to come on to to 
his club career and how actually it was quite unusual because Santos toured around essentially to capitalise on his fame. So there would be exhibition games that Pele played mm-hmm. in and that Santos played in. Yeah. He scored a hell of a lot of goals in these games and these are the ones that people don't count. There's no... There's no doubt there that he scored these goals. There are other games where they don't count as well, like state games and so on. And yeah, of course. So but I think there's an idea where people say that like Pele's massaged his, his scoring statistics. He's not making up goals. He's counting goals that other people don't count in games that were more competitive yeah. uh, than we perhaps give credit to now. Yes, yeah, so that's a better way of phrasing it than I did earlier. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, on one European tour in 1959, it involved 15 games in nine different countries in 22 days. Now, when you see the schedule that he had and, and the amount of travel, it's no wonder, but, you know, when he got to his late 20s, there was so much pressure yeah. on him and so much fame and, and so on that he thought, I, I, I could maybe do without this. But this is a level of fame, again, that, that no one... Messi and Ronaldo aren't having any of this in, 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 the, in the modern era. This is, as you say, a whole football club going, we're going to cash in because of you, mate. Mm. And I can understand, I understand why they did it. And it was great for people in these other countries around the world to see him play. But that was it. It, it the, the level of celebrity, it was almost like he was yeah. a pop star. And it maintained that celebrity as well, didn't it? Because I suppose that made him accessible to people all over the world in, in, in a way that players really only otherwise would be at World Cups in a time where travel was a lot harder as well. I mean, yeah. a tour like that, surely you can't train. Oh, but I, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't I, it? I wanted to go back to the goal scoring thing because I think it's a really important part of it. And even if you, if you just take the goals that aren't disputed... yeah. If you just take the ones everyone broadly agrees. So 757 yeah. in 812 games. Yeah. It's a bloody good record. It's, and if you want to um if you want to a, a modern comparison to help you can you know, to help you try and get your head around it, mm-hmm. I mean, I think at the time of recording, Lionel Messi's only got a couple more goals than him. Yeah. And Lionel Messi's in his what, nineteenth season. Mm-hmm. And that's Lionel Messi. Yeah. He's had nineteen years to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. And he's getting up he's he's now him and Ronaldo, I think, have, have, have passed Pele's record, but not by much, yeah. and not ages ago, pretty recently. You know, so we and, and that that's only the goals that we do agree that yeah. we all yeah, agree yeah, yeah, that yeah. Pele scored because the other ones are yeah, you know, there's different ways of looking. Well, at Messi it. never scored against Sheffield Wednesday. Well, as I was going to say, I was actually going to say that yeah, so you're yeah. talking about Pele's goal, but to be fair, some of them were against Sheffield Wednesday. Well, one of them, well, just one, okay, and it was a penalty. Yeah, which he didn't generally do. No, no. Right. apparently he wouldn't take penalties or something. But it, that's incredible, isn't it? When you, he thought when it you... was like a bit in a, a bit it, of a gimme. It wasn't. <laughs> yeah. The, did the... you watch? Did you watch Robert Lewandowski in the World Cup? Yeah. <laughs> there was an old English team that I think it was, it was Corinthian the, Casuals. It, it, Corinthians. That's right. Yeah. Who, of course, that's where the it's Brazilian the side name, yeah. Corinthians yeah. got their name from. Well, they refused to take penalties, didn't they? If they were awarded one, they'd um, mm. they'd just kick it wide or, or whatever because they thought it was unsporting. Yeah. So it, it was a. It wasn't. You know, that unusual an idea in the past. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Uh, according to Pelle, he played 109 games for Santos alone in 1960. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. And, 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 and even if, lot. So let's say, let's say that a handful of those games actually he's got the stats wrong. Well, it's not going to be significantly fewer than that, is it? No. <laughs> but, it's and, a, and, amazing. And, the, and, and although they'd already won it a couple of times with Pelle there, Santos in 66, yeah. because Pelle was so famous by this point, and because as Jim said, they wanted to capitalise on it, they did a kind of Ferguson's Man United pulling out of the FA Cup. They pulled out of Libertadores yeah, just, so they could tour, just so they could tour instead. So basically their version of the Champions League or the mm-hmm. European Cup or whatever, they pulled out of that so they could travel around having a great old time with Pele. <laughs> so basically, right, he's taking them out the studio and he's putting on permanent tour. It's basically Bob yeah. Dylan. Yeah, well, okay, but Pele did say in his autobiography, we were in demand, the suits were very keen to cash in. And I do think that actually, I know what you mean by having a lovely old time, but actually you see that you heard the schedule there. I can imagine it. I can imagine them sitting down with Pele and saying, right, we've got some plans for the season. You still enjoying your football? Yeah. Great. Well, you're going to play some more games. 
in Plymouth. Yeah. <laughs> Where? I've never heard of it. His final playing appearance in England came in 1973 against Plymouth, Argyle and Fulham. Mm. So, uh, so. And, and, and the commercialisation of Pele as almost like a, as a, as a kind of one-man industry well, yeah. would have presumably informed the, I would say, in a different way, iconic move to New York Cosmos as well, right? So he's going to go to the US. He's finally yeah. going to get a chance to move to a different country to play. He's going to do it in a kind of almost, in a way that the Brazilian authorities are kind of fine with. Mm. And that also, into the 70s, makes him iconic for a completely different way, right? Because yeah, yeah. it sends him through the stratosphere, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does, yeah. Well, because yeah, after 19 seasons with Santos, he, he quit club football. He'd obviously finished playing international football by then. But then a couple of years later, he came out of, sort of semi-retirement and, and signed for the Cosmos in, in 1975, which was a big thing at the time. Apparently, um, old, uh, what was his name? Henry Kissinger was quite influential in him moving there. Wow, was, really? That's what they, that's the way the story goes. But uh, yes, he was sort of saying, you should come here and, and blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Cosmos hadn't been around for, for that long and they were established in 1970. But they made their colours, they were nodding terms with Brazil's colours to make him feel a bit more comfortable, you know. And then they changed to white in 1977 in homage to Santos. So that's where they, 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 they get their white coloured kit from. But he came with, with incredible fanfare. I mean, I know in the, in the modern era, you know, when David Beckett went to MLS, you know, his kind of uh, quest was to make football... Um, more popular in the US whether that was successful or not again I'll leave that up to um, fans of the MLS to decide but before MLS when it was the North American Soccer League or NASL as we like to call it uh, Pelé and, and Franz Beckenbauer and Carl, Carlos Alberto they, they moved there and, and there was a bit of popularity around football at the time in America Absolutely I mean the, the story is incredible there's a documentary called Once in a Lifetime about it which which does a sort of deep dive on, on the New York cosmos and, and also a, a very uh, interesting character called Giorgio Cinaglia Oh, um, oh yeah Italian were, What yeah. a character to yeah. put it mildly him and, him and Pelé were a very unusual combination but the, the game was very different wasn't it they had um they didn't have penalties. Do you remember? They had the uh, the hockey penalty. Yeah, the, the essentially, hockey. yeah, the, the kind of as you say, the hockey penalty. We kind of <clears> run up um, from the halfway line at the goalkeeper. But you know, I suppose again, this is right at the end of his career. There's this there's kind of this great untapped market, and Pele's marketing power is, is big enough that it, he was a sensation. Yeah, mm. his final game for them was on the first of October, nineteen seventy seven. And quite fittingly, it was an exhibition match between Cosmos and, and, and Santos. And Pele played for the, the first half of Cosmos, second half of Santos. He scored for Cosmos, which was nice, yeah. for the final goal of his career. And then New York Cosmos folded in 1985 sorry, because they simply couldn't survive without Pele. Now, I know they've since come back in this sort of a slightly different form. And I think the great Raul, the Spanish striker, turned out for them for a little bit as well. But it's an incredible period of football in, in America and it's, it's worth having a little look at Hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time for you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. I would also, before we move on from his playing career, because we're coming to the end of it now, I'd also point out something that we haven't mentioned, which is this idea of him um, on the pitch as quite a fair player. Yes. Um, I think it's often overlooked that when Brazil knocked out England in 1970, mm-hmm. there was quite jubilant celebrations by the Brazilian team. Yeah. But Pele made a beeline straight for Bobby Moore. And That's there's right. that famous photo of them embracing him saying, yeah. you know, what an amazing game you played. Now I feel sad that you're out. Yeah. And that was seen. Well, they didn't knock a... England out, we should say. No, but. But, but, but they beat them in the group. Sure. Stage. When, 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 sorry, when they won the game and, and, yeah. and Pele, rather than celebrate with his team and a win against England, which obviously were the world champions at the time, yeah. um, he went over and, and kind of chose to spend his time with Bobby Moore chatting with him, which was seen at the time. I don't exactly know the detail, but was seen as a time mm-hmm. with that iconic photo as being like a really good example of how yeah. he was um, all about maybe trying to be a fair player as well. Well, yeah, he was, he was seen as a bit of a gentleman, Pele. I mean, to sort of back this up, when it was his 50th birthday, uh, which was shortly after the 1990 World Cup, I think. It was in 1990, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was marked, the, the occasion was marked with an exhibition match at the San Siro in Italy, uh, and a giant Pele cake was wheeled out before kickoff, and it is remarkable, the size of this thing. And then um, Pele was was there with, with, a, with a choir who sung Happy Birthday to him, and, and out he comes. Not an egotistical man, I wouldn't say. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think he hired the stadium and got everybody there. But, but again, like, that won't happen when Lionel Messi turns fifty. No. I mean, there, there might be a celebration at a new camp, but he's still be playing. But it, it shows you, and that's a, that's, a, that's a club and a team he never played for. There is footage of this game. Um, it's it's a Brazil eleven against the rest of the world, and he's obviously on his fiftieth birthday. He is fifty. Yes, but he, you know, he's lost a bit of pace. Mm-hmm. But he <laughs> looks fair. fifteen years younger in the footage. Like yeah. not just in terms of how he actually right. physically looks, but the way he plays as well. Like obviously he's a little bit slower, but not. You wouldn't look at the f- footage and think one of these guys is fifty years old. No, it is. It's absolutely but phenomenal. Yeah, but when, and, and genuinely to bring this back again. Watching Charlie Addo in his prime, I would sometimes think this man is fifty years old. So he is know? getting another mention. <laughs> Yeah, Portsmouth sl- sorry, snuck in sorry, as well. Now listen, they've got two. Jim Pele's died. Come on, let's be a bit respectful. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 Portsmouth won't mention you. Just I oh. mentioned Pele's not being very good, but that's okay. I did it on every show I'm on. Oh, I Doesn't see. Matter. Do you know what? It didn't even register. Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, Three times back. But, but, but on, on a slightly more sort of serious note, I mean, with, with Pele, again, this sort of fanfare, like Pele's come to town. Oh my goodness, everyone turns out. Mm. It just doesn't yeah, matter. Of course, it, maybe Argentina would be the only country, but I think they would do it with a little bit more of a wry smile, a bit tongue in cheek. But when you look at that, uh, the Netflix documentary about Pele, and he's mm. and he and he was there with looking very old and frail, it was quite shocking because again, yeah. you look at this man and you think, oh, but he's forever youthful. He's even when he's fifty. 
But it was interesting, though, because I think we've, we've mentioned Maradona inevitably. I actually... Maradona was... Um, you know, people would say he was a flawed genius, all that kind of stuff. We know Maradona warts and all. There was an element of that on the Netflix documentary, which may be quite surprising. You know, Pelé himself talks about, you know, not knowing how many children he has. You know, mm. talks about extramarital affairs and so mm. on. It's interesting that Pelé, his, he, the way he is perceived as a, as a, as a gentleman and, and, and very, very mild-mannered man and so on. Yet there are some criticisms labelled at him as, as, as what he did and, and, and as we talked about this in some of his, his political views or, or, or apolitical There is an uh, element of brand Pelé. There's, there's uh, hugely, it, it is hugely the case. for that reputation to seem to be that. And I think Maradona would often poke him and say, you know, well, at least I'm honest kind of thing, you know. Yeah, that was, that was definitely something. But I think when you're made a national treasure... When you're literally, yes, exactly. When you're what twenty years old or, or however old he was, I think there is a concerted effort by everybody. It's all within everybody's uh, or, or the vast majority of people's interest to make this man very sort of squeaky clean, you know. But the other thing about his his legacy, which was totally unquestioned, was the goal scoring stats. And nowadays, I think people can be actually a little bit disparaging to Pele. Yes. There's almost, I think, certainly when. Uh, the internet really came to fruition and suddenly you had a lot of footballing opinions on, on, on a lot of matters. There was almost like a vibe that he was overrated mm. and that, oh, well, actually he lied about all these football, about all these goal scores, so therefore we can't really take him as seriously as we might. Um, I mean, at the end of 2020, you know, Lionel Messi surpassed Pele's record for the most goals scored at a single club with his 600th and 44th goal for, for Barcelona. And Pele did congratulate him with a with a message on Instagram. You know? Yeah, I like that because they, they were very, very fine. They seemed to be very, very content with Messi doing that. And then about a year, well, about a month or two later, Ronaldo um, surpassed his record for the total amount of goals scored in the career. And Santos thought, we'll take it from Messi, but yeah. we'll not take it from Ronaldo. The man's a, the man's a clown. Uh, and they, they decided to find some goals from somewhere. But I, I don't know... Well, Santos a... and Pelé announced that he'd actually scored 1,091 goals for them. But I want to... I want That's right. But I want to make this clear, because I think this is important. There's a couple of points I'd make. One is that at this point, Pelé is an old man, yeah. right? Mm. So we don't know anything about how much he is... You know, at play here, whether it's the club doing that, trying to get some PR or trying to protect their the, the player they're proud of, their most famous kind of alumnus. Icon. Yeah, exactly. And the second thing is, there's probably no real way of knowing exactly how many goals Pele did actually score. Mm. He started his career very, very young in the mid fifties in a in a in a country where you know, like we've already talked about, the oral tradition is far bigger and far mm -hmm. greater than it is here. We have to be sensitive to different cultural environments, and there's there's a lot of grey areas around the amount of goals, the amount of appearances that players made mm -hmm. in that era and the era kind of immediately before it. So this may well be a question that's never answered anyway, mm -hmm. and that's part of the reason why it's fairly annoying because it doesn't actually matter. Yep. It, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. We we talked about the exact official confirmed yeah. amount of goals. From a player who wasn't even just a goal scorer. I mean, does it sound? And it's amazing. Does anyway. it sound like he's overrated? As I say, to reiterate that official tally, for some people that he scored seven hundred fifty-seven goals in eight hundred twelve games, seventy-seven international goals in in ninety-two yeah. international games. It doesn't sound like no. he's overrated to me. But you can't worry about what people on the internet say. No, no, including, I, including us. I was going to say, <laughs> it all came from you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also don't really like. I don't really find it personally that interesting to compare players from different eras either. It's so tricky. And, so and I mean, like, the old thing I would say, which I think I've said in this show before, is the old Tiger Woods thing. He was asked about that. You're the greatest goal forever. He said, look, if I'm part of the conversation, that's all I can ask for. Yeah. Because, because you don't know 
Anyway, you Nick can't Fowler tell. applauded him when he said that. <laughs> yeah. uh, what about so another part of Pele's legacy is obviously some of his ventures since retiring. It's fair to say that he's cashed in on his uh, yeah. on his fame. He was probably tired of people cashing in on him. To well, be fair. I was going to say, Jim, I, I think that you know he, he did a lot of adverts. He did a lot of. This, that's and the others. He's, I mean, it's even there's a there's a gag sort of at his expense in The Simpsons in that brilliant uh, soccer episode. If you don't, yes. Um, but as you say, he played in a time where he didn't earn the money that that players would earn nowadays, of course. Um, but he has, you know, he was a UN ambassador for ecology and, and the environment. He was uh, Brazil's um, extraordinary minister for sport and a UNESCO goodwill ambassador, which. Uh, you know, that, that, I mean, that sounds about right, doesn't it, really? Mm. I suppose. Great job, that. You're well, basically just spreading goodwill. But the thing yeah. is, though... And you're Pele, so yeah. you don't even need to do anything. Yeah. But no, you, you and I have been in the same room as Pele. It was an enormous room, I understand. Yeah. And it was, uh, was it the, the, the Grosvenor Hotel in London? Yeah. But, like, when he's... It is... There is a magic about him. There is... Or there was, sorry. That, you know, he was like this sort of superhero. It's like, bloody hell, that's Pele. You well, could, it's the only reason I went. Yeah. Was it... Was that balanced out, you know, the, because Richard Keyes was on stage with him as well? And Jeff Reeves. And Jeff, yeah. Yeah. So no. And Mick Hucknell? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't know if that... Yeah, yeah they were friends, weren't they? Pele Mick, and Mick Hucknell. Mick Hucknell was the... Or Pele was the godfather to one of Mick Hucknell's kids. Strange. Right? Very Surprising. Strange. But but that, that's the thing, isn't it? You got, we, went, we went to that evening. It was a charity evening. Yeah, my view on that is, is somewhat cynical. I mean, all these people who went could have just done it a charity off their own time if they wanted to, rather than go there and feel better about themselves. But the only reason I went was because I knew Pelé was going to be there. And to be in the same room, no matter how vast the room is, and it was vast, yeah. um, was something that you just didn't feel like you could you could turn down. I mean, you just didn't feel like you could let that pass you by because mm. of his impact. You know, his impact was so large and so big. And even it was, you know, however many years after he retired, it must have been what about ten years ago. So mm-hmm. he would have been retired for forty years by then. Yeah, um, it's still still a hugely impactful thing to to witness in person. Yeah, Roy Hodgson was there as well. Yeah, we don't need to get bogged down who was there and who wasn't. No, right? I just wanted to give Roy yeah. a mention. Yeah. Um, Pele once turned his hair into diamonds mm. and yes. sold it. That does sound like he's done it out of the back of his car. Obviously, that's... Uh, does it? <laughs> but... Can your car do that? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it does sound like that. Yeah, uh, Yeah. well, in 2014, um, 1,283 fans. Now that number is significant because that yeah. was the sort of unofficial amount of goals he'd scored. Uh, they were given the opportunity to buy a lock of Pele's hair uh, turned into diamonds and delivered in a gold-plated box for $7,500, which I thought it would be actually a bit more expensive than that. I kind of, you know... we I mean, 1,283 locks of hair. Run out of hair there. Yeah, yeah, I just feel like we could have all chipped in there, but there we yeah. are. <laughs> if the man is turning his hair into diamonds and everybody is getting involved with that. It shows you <laughs> the level of fame and notoriety that he, yeah. that he had. But to, to, to wrap it up, what is, you know, how do you view his legacy? Basically part of the fabric of the world's most popular sport, an intrinsic key part of the fabric. When I was a kid growing up, um, obsessed with football, uh-huh. would chat around to the older members of my family, um, talking about the great players. You could not get enough of the chat. Mm-hmm. And um, the chat was always, you know, best Maradona and Pele. Mm-hmm. They would talk about Pele in like hushed, revered tones yeah. like you'd never heard of before. You know, it was, it was almost like he was a total icon ever since I've been alive, mm-hmm. which of course he was. And for that, you know, for that reason, it's impossible to remember or imagine the sport without him. Mm. And for me, it really is a benchmark of the true level of greatness and what that can be within football. The first player to have that transcendental talent, the way you, where you see it and go, wow, this guy is on a different level from 
everyone else playing this sport. We've seen players like it since, but to me, he is the player that, you know, ushered in that possibility that mm. football can feel like magic. I think it would be foolish if I tried to add anything onto that, chaps. Mm. That was the Football Rambles Guide to Pele. Thank you very much for joining us in remembering one of the giants of football. The sport will be a much poorer place without him, of course. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Luke Moore. Thank you. Thank you, Jim Campbell. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you soon for another Football Ramble Guide to Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.